0: she came up to me and was like hey it was, so i got the piece and i was like yeah it's it's exciting and she was walking by and she went yeah when we first saw it he was like oh man look at this alfredy e. newman that's awesome and he didn't realize that it was me that drew it mm-hmm. or me that painted it and megan was like yeah scotty look at the name and he was like god damn it
1: Hey, welcome. I just got back from Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was an amazing weekend i I think it may have been their largest assemblage of creative talent as well as guests because every day was a you know record breaking day, and there were so many people there i mean people were there who i you know I'd never met before there were people there who i wanted to meet and i couldn't find <laughs> it was they were all over the place and i had i had an absolute great time my voice is next to gone everything hurt by the end of the weekend met a ton of people who i've been really eager to get onto the show it looks like we're going to have a lot of people coming in the next couple of months so i'm really excited Got to spend a lot of time with old friends, meeting people who I haven't seen in so long. One person, uh, Casey Jones, a fantastic comic artist. And it was great to talk to him. And just meeting people who I didn't even know. Just blown away by their work. Um, yeah, it was it was great. And uh had sort of this brainwave to kind of do a, a a weekend, you know, review, hot wash, whatever you want to call it. And asked a longtime friend of the show, Jamie Jones, if he'd be interested. And he's like, oh, man, I'm driving home to Savannah. And I said, all right, that's cool. I think he texted me. I was no, it wasn't last night. It was this morning and he said yeah i i'll be home at 3 let's do it so i guess he felt better than he anticipated i felt bedraggled to say the least so but nonetheless we uh we rallied and recorded today and just kind of talked about our experience and uh observations well, you know it was a great time and i really appreciate my talks with him you know as a person who is doing his own thing outside of the, the mainstream and he's doing it with great success. And, you know, I I, I think his, his audience is finding him and he's, I, I'm excited to see where he goes with it all, but he's a great guy and it's a great talk. Oh, the weirdest thing, uh, two people recognized me from, from the podcast, just by my voice. It's quite funny. And because I changed the name in the last week, great timing, you know, I'm a master of marketing. Um, it was, uh, there was no way to, you know, to really, truly explain anything. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're listening to the the inaugural episode of Tradecraft. Yeah, so welcome to the Tradecraft podcast. There you go. I'm really excited to share this talk and all the upcoming talks that are sort of lining up like planes to an aircraft carrier. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, uh, yeah. And... Please, if you do listen to this and uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast, uh, you know, however you do or on Substack, you know, find me, J. Alex Morrissey, all one word. Oh, and I'll set up a uh, a chat thread on my Substack about this. And if you attended Heroes Con or any con, I would love to get some um, conversation going about your experience, if any of it matches up with us or different. And I'd love to hear from you about yours. All right, cool. Are you, on a scale of one to 10? How tired are you?
0: Uh, you know, I am, <laughs> I closed down the dead dog party last night. Oh, so wow. It was, it was a late evening
1: and that oh. was good. I, I, I really want to find out. How many more people were there than they intended to be there?
0: (laughs) It didn't seem terribly packed. Yeah, Um, it got loud once, and that it got loud outside once, but other than that, it was fine.
1: It it, did you? I mean, did you notice it was weird? They had like those two boxes for uh, speaker, like speaker cabinets, like sitting next to the tent. I thought, like, they're not going to set up music, are they? Like, it was, it felt like a weird.
0: Last year, I think last year they did. They had some music hmm. playing,
1: but it would have been I'd... impossible to talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would, I, I would qualify a- anything that was off the floor for the for the show as really loud, as far as the weekend goes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like the second you stepped off the floor, and like, oh, we'll go check anything. Anything that happened outside of the convention center was really bloody loud.
0: Yeah. Which was crazy because it was so quiet in the convention center. Mm -hmm. It was it felt so dead. It was a constant stream of people coming up and buying stuff and and talking. But it felt every that was everyone's thought was like, it feels very dead. It wasn't, but it felt it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so I think that we I think we talked about that last year. I was talking that with people on the floor. That everyone was kind of like figuring out why does it not feel like there are a ton of people here and i th- think that they they widened the hallways like the walkways it's huge
0: it's yes. because there's no, the the art stage is on the other side of the it's in a whole different convention i walked over there right. with uh, pat rooks and we were talking i was like this is a different there's two conventions here yes there's yeah. the artists' convention and then there's the actual like run of the mill comic convention. Mm-hmm. It's well and it's it, always it, had that kind yeah. of separation, but mm-hmm. this really felt like there is a different convention over there. Yeah, i I wasn't a part of.
1: Yeah, last year that over there convention, as you want we want to call it w- sort of where they stuck a lot of the like the big name people, like whoever has hot really hot, you know, mainstream books because mm-hmm. they had big lines. So they could kind of like keep that crowd contained, yeah, yeah. you know, with barriers. But this year, it was very strange, because it wasn't all these big names, you go over there, and it was a bunch of everybody else. And then I left the bathroom and absolutely just bumped into Linneal Yu's table. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking around like, you're like, probably the biggest selling, you know, artist here, right right now, your books sell more than anybody else's why are you over here facing a wall? Like, it was very strange. Um, I only suspect, I mean, I know that he came late. Like, it was a like a last week kind of thing. Like, hey, I'm in LA, where can I go? And they said, come on over. But I, I you know, I felt like, Man, just grab another table on the other side. and Yeah,
0: well, it was, it. there was a whole art group over there. Like, uh, Kevin McGuire was over there.
1: Right, right.
0: And that, they, that group of people is all re- represented by one particular
1: person, right. Person. Or thing. Yeah.
0: And I think they were over there and it was a, it was a bunch of bigger na- like mainstream names and they were right next to CGC. So I think that's why they were over there. Mm, CGC okay. was right there. Um, I probably made it easy for them. I, I assume, I don't know.
1: <laughs> they can carry the vacuum chamber over after they yeah. sign it and slip the book right in there.
0: I'm friends with Lewis who works at CGC. I've known him. We worked at a comic shop in Tampa together uh, 10 years ago, but it was interesting to see him. And I think they like CGC was so sparsely staffed this weekend oh. that uh, it, I think it was probably good for them on their end that everyone who people needed to see or wanted to see were right sure. right there yeah right chris Cla- book books signed you know chris claremont <laughs> yeah. was over there <laughs> yeah yeah
1: right exactly like rather than trying to make your way through the melee holding your precious you know mm-hmm. you know x-men issue that he signs yeah. you know i i spent seven hundred dollars on this issue and then paid chris a hundred bucks to sign it and now i'm going to spend three hundred dollars to get it graded and slabbed right 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 yeah mm so how was the show for you
0: uh this was my best convention uh i don't uh monetarily i haven't counted yet but i think yeah. it was pretty it was i made my table i made i made my show just cost-wise entire in the first three hours of the convention on friday wow it was the opposite of everyone <laughs> from what i understand
1: mm-hmm.
0: not everyone had that that uh that kind of show but it yeah. was it was immediate for me um and there, I,
1: I, I noticed that that the because I, I, I was walking around every single day all day long i found what happened there seemed to be pockets where people were doing really well mm-hmm. and pockets where people weren't doing very well but it wasn't consistent with yeah. the weekend it shifted around
0: yeah yeah i had a pretty consistent like, like i said again it felt like there was nobody coming but mm-hmm. at the end of the convention, I had sold over, I sold almost every copy of the baboon hardcover that I brought. I sold out of all the mini comics that I brought. I sold, I think, out of the 10 copies of the pink lemonade jamboree that mm-hmm. I brought. I sold a lot more comics than I thought I, I did, that I thought I did until I was like packing up and putting stuff away. And that was nice. Uh, I was talking to, again, Pat Rooks was right across the table from me, and he said in the last few hours on Sunday, he made everything everything back, and he brought 60 copies of his comic Hobo Law, mm. and he had, I think, maybe five copies left by the, wow. by the end of the show on Sunday. So he was like, I he, he felt like he wasn't selling anything the entire convention, and then he looked at his table at on at the end of the day on Sunday. Was like, oh, I guess I guess I did. You know, it, it kind yeah. of. I think it snuck up on a lot of people how how good it was. It right. definitely did for me.
1: Yeah, it, I everyone kind of felt it was interesting. I think that writers didn't do very well on Friday. Artists did well on Friday. Yeah. Saturday seemed it, the the sense of Saturday seemed a little odd because it seemed very family day, there wasn't a lot, it was a lot of looky loo. Yes. And then I think Sunday, like, everyone was going around saying, Okay, I've looked around long enough, I'm going to get the things that I want to get.
0: It was a very much a buyer's day on Sunday. Yeah. And that was that was
1: nice. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you know, you had an amazingly great location weight like yeah. vastly improved from last year's.
0: I was in the pretty much the same location as last year.
1: I thought uh, you were, I thought you were, I thought you were further towards no. the wall, but I guess not. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I get, but or you maybe were I mean,
0: I, I was facing the wall, but I was also,
1: yeah, like you were facing the wall. Okay. Yeah. You were, you the were opposite.
0: <laughs> I was yeah. in, yeah. Yeah. But it yeah. was pretty much the same location I had last okay. year, which is awesome.
1: And I think, cause I think, cause I saw you right away, like when I came in. And I think what, uh, because the way that they have their entry booth, the hero's booth, yeah. it it you can't go straight forward. So you have to go right or left. But if you're in, you know, sort of like, I'm going to go walk into the middle of it. You know, it's either your aisle or the other aisle, you right. know, one avenue over. So right, right. it's kind of, it's kind of, it was fortuitous, I would think, for you to get a lot of traffic coming by.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it definitely placement wise was, was really nice. Um, yeah. I also was next to Don Simpson and across from the Fabe guys. So that you know, I was talking to Michelle Fife, who was also in our in the, in, in my little in my island, right? Uh, and Fife was like, you know, what's great. Is the Kayfabe guys bring everybody to their table because mm-hmm. they have this huge setup, and uh, Fife just puts books out on his table and sells mm-hmm. sells out of books. That's his his, his gimmick. Yeah. Don Simpson is Don Simpson and had, he's got that new 1963 comic coming out mm-hmm. through Fantagraphics. It's the whole book is done. And he had the entire issue, the entire book in its raw form. And he does all the, he does all hand lettering and everything. And he oh. put a chair outside of his table and people would just come and sit and read the entire comic <laughs> while so Don smart. would just like talk to him. So uh, it, was, smart. it was awesome. So that brought a lot of people around my area too. Yeah. So we had a lot of foot traffic um, over there. And when you do semi like you know, family friendly pulpy stuff, I, Heroes has always has always been good for me for that. For whatever super, reason, people I, like what I do at that yeah. show.
1: A plus, I, and it's, I think I really give them such credit when it comes to curating where they place people?
0: Seth is great. Seth is so smart with who he pairs next to each other. The first time I was in Indie Island, I was next to Eric Powell. And that's, you know, because he looks at my book and he goes, oh yeah, this guy clearly likes, they're they're in the same milieu. Um, And I I can't help but think like, (coughs) you know, I'm sitting there inking with a brush with with my inkwell and don is sitting next to me inking with a brush dipping his brush in his inkwell right so we had that in common so and you know cartoony stuff yeah i can only assume that seth went yeah jamie can be next to don that makes sense
1: totally i mean you know i was i mean i was talking to enzo garza on sunday and i just stood back and kind of looked at his booth um cb's booth and nick cagnetti and all three of them are facing you know they're on the aisle aisle, Mm -hmm. and i'm like i mean they just it looked like they were all like hey let's all figure out what we're gonna make our stuff look like so we can look nice together like it all just fit perfectly yeah exactly and like and that's purely somebody's choice of saying this is going to look good and they have no idea what the booths are going to look like but it worked out like like on point
0: (laughs) Right, right, yeah, yeah, it it definitely makes it look good, <laughs> you know, they yeah, they curate they curate the crap out of it, and, and it looks good because of that, yeah, for a show that is as massive as it is, right, mm-hmm. the curation side of it is so well done, yeah, and they're curating individual artists, and they're like you know these people are in the same world i've been next to pat rooks for several years or for the last couple of years and pat and i stuff do not we don't look like we draw or are interested in each other's comics but right. we both make pulp comics he's in the horror side of pulp and i'm in the the action adventure side of pulp and pat's great pat and i just talk about old comic strips the entire time <laughs> right Uh and i did a popeye commission for his dad this year <laughs> so nice that kind of stuff um is is I think they them getting to know not only stylistically what people are doing but also the people and what they have presented This is my seventh year doing the show,
1: yeah, which is crazy well, you know because you and i you and I like actually we spent a bunch of time this weekend together like talking like walking yeah. around and you know outside of the convention center and you know I think there's like what i I enjoy, I enjoy sort of like the discussion about doing the thing of like right. doing the convention versus, you know, you know, cause we're not sitting around talking about like, Oh my God, this is artwork's great or that artwork's great. Or, That's not the bulk of our conversation. And I really like it, it, it was, it's, I think it's really good to kind of forensically examine your experience there because how else are you going to learn from it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is also a show that has taught me, who I am as a cartoonist, right? You do a show long enough and especially this show, which is so indie comics focused and comics focused really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I learned that the stuff that I like is valuable and valid in that conve- at that convention, right? Doing the Popeye piece last year for the auction changed this year as a, for, of a convention for me. Right. Mm-hmm. It really people came up. People knew who I was because of mm-hmm. because of that piece. Yeah. Um, so just the fact that it changed. This is this year. I felt like a full blown professional, um, which was great.
1: Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, what? So one thing I was having a, a talk with a few people over the weekend. <laughs> You know, and I, a lot of this, you know, listen, we only experience it through our own our own life. So I try to get other points of view. But you know, when I was doing conventions, you know, twenty plus years ago, you know, there was no such thing as vinyl printing. There were no such things as stand up yeah. backdrops. And, you know, yeah. so much of this stuff didn't. Obviously, there was no Wi Fi purchase. You know, sales available. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I kind of stood there and I'm looking around like. Why does everyone have a, a banner? Like, I I, I was trying to, like, as a designer, figure out why. Are they doing it because they, like, like are we teenagers? And, like, well, everyone else is doing this, so I'm doing it too.
0: I think it comes out of, uh, you know, a few years ago, you had those. Everyone was doing prints. Everyone had. You had to have that. When I started right. almost a decade ago, it was how many prints can you have? and eventually i have this converse i've had this conversation with a few people um that were major print guys and then prints started to go away because everyone's walls were filled <laughs> you yeah. know right, right we ran out of wall space in 5 years yeah so it became i i dropped prints real quickly when i saw i was like i can't comp- my this might be my own like insecurities as, as an artist, but we've also had this conversation several times. I don't draw cool enough for people to want to hang my stuff on the wall. <laughs> like there's people who draw cooler than me. Mm. Um, I'll draw more comics than them, right. you know, <laughs> but they yeah. they draw cooler than I do. Um, there's something drawing cartoonists love my stuff. <laughs> right sure. guys yeah. guys who work in the industry go oh yeah i like jamie's stuff but the the stereotypical fan i'm not going to draw pictures of spider-man cool right. enough but then the guy who draws Spider-Man, right?
1: Right, and you do do them. I mean, like when you get a commission and someone asks you, you do a great, you'll do a great Spider-Man. But like when you're at home sitting in front of your board, you're not like, all right, I gotta make that cool Spider-Man drawing because it's not coming f- from a place within you that is natural.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, th- this show as a as a culmination of this show, I'm about to hit my my decade mark in comics. Um, and so this is, this was, uh, this has been year nine of, of trying to make it in comics and, and mm-hmm. that whole thing. Um, and it's been such a revelation to me that, and, and maybe, you know, I think maybe 10 years ago, the stuff that I was interested in, uh, the spirit, and, and old comic strips. And that's only gotten, for me, it's only gotten worse, right? Like it's only been,
1: <laughs> it's only gotten
0: bigger and, and more prominent in, in what I like to do and what I like to read. But that's starting to come back a little bit. But mm-hmm. 10 years ago, nobody gave a rat's ass about it, right? Like right. nobody cared. Nobody yeah. cared about these, about these comics. Now, it seems like with – I was talking to somebody I cannot remember who I was talking to. With the big blockbuster movies being Marvel and DC, the niche comic book market is these weird indie comics or these comics that are – so it back in your day, right, mm-hmm. you had <laughs> – comic books were were the nerd thing yes comic books aren't the nerd thing anymore because superheroes are the biggest thing in the world so if you want to have some nerd cred you're reading weird indie comics now yeah that you have to go and actually seek out which is great for me because i'm making weird indie comics (laughs) you know
1: right right
0: and and so you we were able to build a really tight-knit really loyal group of people fans and and patrons right that want to actually read your stuff heroes con is such a good place for that for you to find new creators that you might not know of
1: yeah you know it's kind of like my two sort of out of comic comparisons would be um hot sauces you know yeah. Like, oh yeah yeah yeah, people, yeah. Exactly. oh you like spicy food and like people would put you know whatever the original louisiana hot sauce onto something and that was it but right. now oh no no you really like hot sauce and you have to kind of go out there and go to this danger zone yeah. or beer you know we we'll have yeah, right so i think we have like culturally you know yeah sure i mean as big as craft beer is it's nothing compared to miller or budweiser right. in sales right. which is marvel and dc you know right exactly and, exactly it, and now you now you have this thing where you want to seek out all these unique things and then when you get writers like you know van jensen who sort of stumbles into the stardust you, you know this old yeah. stuff and he's like i got to do something with this and he does and it brings in some sort of like notable talent in, you know, engage, like Mike right. Allred does the cover. So if you like Mike Allred, you're going to take a look at this thing. Right. And then people are like, Oh, this is kind of cool and obscure. So, and then someone else is going to go, Hey, you know, what is really cool is this, you know, you know, a Scorchy Smith is awesome, you know, and then there's a Scorchy Smith thing and then
0: Scorchy Smith is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is agree. That is something that I think is evident the van Jensen is clearly not appealing to the mainstream market. He's appealing to cartoonists. He's appealing to, to us and that interest gets the big names who are also interested in that stuff. And then those names who have a fan base are interested because you're, you're not, we're no longer following. And this is, I think a product of, uh, of the internet and social media, we're no longer following the product. We're no longer following Batman or Spider-Man. We're following the artist and the creators doing that, you know? And I think that starts in the nineties, you get, you know, image becomes a thing because people are following the artist Mm -hmm. and the internet has made it really easy to follow the artists. I, I tell people all the time, the best thing I did social media wise was not have or take away my professional uh, Instagram and just made my Instagram a mix between my life and the art that I'm producing Mm -hmm. because people are much more interested in analytically. People are much more interested in what I'm doing in my day-to-day life than they are in, in a final piece of art. Right.
1: Yeah, like and it's a document. Person. And yeah, not- you're doc. You're documenting your experience as, yeah. you know, in your creative journey, and you know, and if that's what you, if you're comfortable in exposing whatever that is to people outside of you know, the professional side of it, then people will go. I, I like all of this. This is something I'm engaged right. with because they want they want more of you if you are the one who's willing to give that out.
0: Yeah. We, yeah, live no, in, I mean, we live in a reality television world. And so yeah, you have the side, to, yeah. in a weird way, be a celebrity version of yourself. Sure. And that's a really weird thing to realize. Like, I, I mean, I wear a bow tie at a convention, right? I wear, I have a uniform that I put on at the convention. Yeah. The second the show's over, I take it off. Right, Because right? now I'm off duty and everyone makes jokes about it because they're like, well, Jamie, now Jamie's relaxed, you know? And, and I am, and, and yeah. to a certain extent, yeah, I put on a little bit of a costume to have a, a little bit of a persona. Mm-hmm. It's starting to blend more and more where I co- I think I could now get away with not wearing a bow tie at a convention and still do a thing, but it is in a sea of, White guys with glasses uh-huh. you, you know <laughs> yeah, having a bow tie is a great distinction
1: yeah, well, I mean, you know, there was a big discussion about um writing and branding when i was when I was at the uh, at the nebula conference last month, you know and this there's a guy's a retired uh marine colonel who's an, an author, and he wears like his marine colonel. Baseball cap, Mm -hmm. and that's his brand. So you know because because of who he is and what he's done, his audience will automatically always know it's him. So you know your your presentation is your brand, right for for the real world in that in that in that aspect. I mean, like Matt Kind has that big setup, you know, where he you, you walk into his booth like he's he's made an exhibition booth where you step in oh, there yeah
0: he had a he he had a he had like a peep show
1: the peep show <laughs> yeah yeah it, yeah
0: it was so crazy
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: but yeah he i mean matt's setup is crazy and it was great it takes a, it's yeah it but, takes but, up, but it takes up three people's places four
1: people right but it but, but it's so it's places. so it fits the work that he does there's there's this there's this, this obsessive intricacy that he he puts into yep. his his books. So when you yep. see that, you go, okay, this is a person who is. You could you go like, what does this house look like? You know, like you start, you can think these kinds of things where it it right. it personalizes them.
0: Right. Yeah. It's. <laughs> It's the Pee-wee Hermanization of a person. Yeah, yeah, right. Totally. Paul Rubens is not Pee-wee Herman, but right. that's yeah. how we picture him. And sure, I, and he,
1: you know, he made he tried, made it happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think about that a lot, and just kind of like the presentation of myself. uh You know, I had a Popeye pin on and a Mutton Jeff pin on yeah. the the entire weekend. People know who Popeye is, but they don't mm-hmm. necessarily know who Mutt and Jeff is. But the people no. who know who Mutt and Jeff is will come up and be like, you got a Mutt and Jeff pin? What, what kind of comics you make? Right? Like that's right. It's oh, an yeah. weird expression of what I'm trying to do and what mm-hmm. I'm trying to produce and put out into the world. It's a, weird, it's a weird kind of like the persona. A lot of people told me that I was uh, – <laughs> I was Professor Indiana Jones, right?
1: Uh-huh, Not sure. Indy
0: when he's cool and got the bullwhip, but <laughs> no, no, Indy the when, he's, when he's the yeah. professor. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah. That's that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, with that. I mean,
1: in it all. I mean, it, it all. Listen, it also fits your alter ego being the comic book character where you are the Nebushi Professor in <laughs> in person. Yeah. But then the, the thing that you're making, you know, is the guy is the who's leaping off Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's that magic there. And the, the, the that's an like, interesting the, thought I've never thought
0: of, but that's yeah. how I'm going to sell it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the pin also, it's, it's a, it's an Easter egg because yeah. that person yeah, who yeah, sees that, Discover something, and that's the uh, if you can click on that on the, D, the special DVD, you know, you, right. something pops up. You know, like that's what that is for somebody. You know, when you yeah. you spot that, and you're, yeah, you, I mean, you're offering that 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 secret entry because if they, they don't know, they're not going to they're not going to come over, they're not going to ask. But like, it's that little thing, boom, right. let's talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Going back to the print discussion and the, you know, and I mean, listen, prints are fine. If you have like two, three tables, <laughs> you, you can have some real estate that put prints and take right. up the, you know, the, the space. But so like, I mean, like, like the banners, like the prints, like I think a lot of people do what a lot of other people do because they think, well, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm also a firm believer in the audience doesn't know what they want. Like they don't sit back and go, sure. I want this, you know, they may go like, I like this and I would like another thing like this, but that doesn't, that's not how it works. We, right. you know, we go, oh my gosh, this is totally cool. This is new. This is fresh. This inspired. It's inspiring, whatever the thing is. And you have to like, the, you know, unfortunately business doesn't work that way because marketing people go like, well, car chases sell. So let's put a car chase in it versus right the story doesn't need a car chase to make it great and i i think when it comes to the print aspect i'm not saying we don't people don't do them what i'm saying is what is the thing that you feel is the object if you want to make an object yeah. to sell as an ephemeral item beyond the actual like content object that you're making which would be a book or whatever sure. and you know because like while you say, "Oh, I can't make a, a Spider-Man, you know, drawing that's going to compete with the Spider-Man art guy," but it, it, dude, your, your your paintings are really, really good. Like, you know, the Popeye painting and the the, the Alfred e. Newman painting, like those make great prints.
0: Yeah, I guess they would make great prints. But how many do? Would I bring around, and how many would I actually sell? Is right, it but, worth it?
1: Okay, but now, but like going back to what I said, like you know, three minutes ago. I, i'm not saying it has to be a print
0: yeah 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 sure just,
1: you could come up with something else you could come up with the idea because i mean what was it pins were a thing for a while you know and then so yeah. everyone ordered a bunch of pins you know and then so like like you know listen those trends come and go you know where you know you know donuts are great donuts aren't great you know yeah. cupcakes I'll great eat. cupcakes
0: i uh, thought about this i've thought about this a lot um within the last few years, especially over COVID, it was, it was one of those things I was like, what am I going to do when conventions start back up? And what am I going to dedicate my time to? And my thought was, well, I'll just be the guy with a bunch of comics, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I I want to take up a shelf of comics when somebody that's so, if I'm going to put a lot of time and effort into making something, I'm not going to make a print because it's not, it's not worth it. And I think this is more personally, it's not worth it to me to make a print. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worth it to me to make a comic. And if I'm going to do a small comic, I'll make a mini comic, right? I'll make Mm -hmm. an ash can. And that's, that's where I am now uh, career wise. And we've had this conversation outside of it. It's like out, outside of talking on this podcast. Um, but I am now in a point where I want to start writing more stuff for other people mm-hmm. and making more comics. Right. <laughs> you know? So it's like yeah. I can put out two books a year if I'm only drawing one of them. And that's, that's where I'm at now. Uh, yeah. and, and especially after this last, after this weekend, I talked to a few people and I was like, Hey, I've got this character that I think it'd be fun for you to draw. Um, I'll write it like Harvey Kurtzman and, you know, draw, give you panel layouts so you can really kind of understand what I'm thinking. And then you just draw the book, right. make make it, make it fun, make it really, I, I think entertaining. So that's, that's where I'm going. I think that's what I'm going to start trying to do in the next year is okay. get books out that I'm not necessarily drawing, uh, probably through Substack to start off. Right, mm-hmm. I want to do a Sunday page for the uh, yeah Substack, and if the Sunday pages are eight-page story arcs that are drawn by other people, and I can put that behind a paywall. So I can, so I can then pay the other person.
1: Right? Sure. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: and then build up comics. And then, then you take all that stuff and you collect it. And now you have an anthology book of mm-hmm. like baboon. I hate, I hate this, but I'm talking to Vida who's the editor of the book, uh, they call it the babooniverse. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't stand it, but it is, it is, I guess what it is. So,
1: right. Eh, well, I mean, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, listen, I I will put the averse behind everything. So it, it's it's just what we say right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, unless you can come up with a better one that's catchier, you're gonna you're stuck with the moniker. Yeah. So it, actually, that, that that ties into a, a conversation I had um, with Anderson Carmen um, over the weekend and what you were saying about, you know, you know, f- saying, thinking about what you want you what you want to be and focus on those on those elements. Because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not a kid. So I'm not really sort of I don't feel the pressure of whatever the social flow would be, you know, in the yeah. terms of like, what I should be doing. And, Andrew, you know, Anderson's a young guy, and he was putting up all these things, these, you know, these prompt drawings, you know, whatever. I don't know. I really don't know what the term was, but like, you know, let's say 40 prompts in 40 days, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and I'm like, so i walked up to him and I said, why, why are you doing this? You know? And, and it wasn't, it wasn't a negative, like, why are you doing this? Don't do this. It was, why are you doing it? Like, what is the purpose yeah. for this for you? Is it just to get likes? Is it to get some sort of attention? Because, the way I see it is take that time and make sure you're doing the thing that you want to do versus the thing that you think other people want you to do. And he really thought about it when we were talking. He said, like, you know, I have been thinking about this. And what I've noticed is when I put comic book stuff up, all the people who like the single day drawings, don't put. they don't like the comic book stuff. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a single day drawing guy or do you want to be a comic book guy? And he's like, well, I want to be a comic book guy. I'm like, well, my suggestion <laughs> is do comics. Yeah. And and he was, you know, but he's he's anxious about like frequency. He's anxious about showing stuff that isn't finished. And yeah. the way I always look at this, and I, and I will turn this back on myself, so I'm not pointing finger at anybody, but it is that he didn't want to show something that was unfinished. And I said, well, dude, the people who read comics predominantly can't make comics. And so the people who can make comics or a thing wield a magic power. And whether it is a sketch, a pencil, whatever version of it is, it still holds magic.
0: The thing that I constantly talk to SCAD students about And other cartoonists about, and I fall prey to this idea a lot is the people that you are talking to are all cartoonists, right? The people that you are having Mm -hmm. these conversations to work in your industry. So you have no idea of what actually is happening out in the world. Uh, I dated a girl who had no desire to have anything comics, right? Right and then all of her friends had no idea what anything was they weren't even going to marvel movies they they didn't know anything mm-hmm. about what i did for for a living they didn't yeah. it didn't matter but talking to them i realized i was like oh i'm so far in a i'm in another world yeah and then you talk to i i mean i've had this conversation a lot recently involving ai right where who are the people who are complaining about AI art artists who's in the echo chamber that I'm talking to when I talk about AI art, other artists. Artists. Yeah. But you start talking to tech guys and it's a very different conversation. You start talking Mm to basic, just Joe Smo on the, uh, off the side of the street. It's very different conversation. None of my friends, none of my, I say none of my friends, that's Uh, wrong none of my really close friends that i see on a daily basis work in comics they're all service industry people right Mm -hmm. they don't know anything about my job you know they don't know any they they understand that i work in comics they understand that i draw every day but at the end of the day they don't know, know right yeah um but they are so supportive and that's the thing that i i think they all kind of understand but mm-hmm. they don't know that like they they, sure. they don't understand how cool it is that scotty young bought my piece my auction piece two years in a row right, right. they don't know who scotty young is <laughs> and right. that seems so <laughs> crazy to people in comics to be like you don't know who scotty is yeah he's, right he's he's yeah. one of the most famous cartoonists <laughs> right now totally um, and that's really like and i can say it was like oh scotty's one of the most famous cartoonists right now and they're like oh cool that's awesome but that's they cool. have like, no idea like it, well, fame, it's like saying like oh yeah that guy to kim kardashian
1: yeah that guy that guy that guy's the best high jumper like okay mm-hmm. like great good for that exactly. person exactly yeah, yeah it, it's it, it it is a strange thing um but we, I mean, listen, we all fall, we all fall prey to it. And how I'll turn it back onto myself to, to, to show this is that I walk around all week and talking to people and, and half of them go, Oh, you know, where's your table or are you tabling? And I go, no. And they go, why? And I go, well, my artwork is 25 plus years, you know, 25 to 30 years old, like, I like, my mind is like, it's not relevant to the comics discussion of the day. And they all look at me and kind of like a a twisted face and go. And that doesn't mean anything. You know, like I was talking to Carla from heroes. And she's just like, it doesn't mean she's like, she's like, golden isn't showing new new comic book work. He's, it's all his old stuff. Like everybody's showing like, if you know and, and then I'm like oh i guess you're right like it doesn't matter like people will look and go that's a cool page that's a cool whatever yep. and you go oh okay yeah, exactly. yeah but, but it i was also, but, yeah
0: i think for for you it's like well what do you what do you want to do do you would you rather go around and promote the podcast or would you rather sit at your table and Even my
1: feet hurt <laughs> yeah sure
0: <laughs> sure well those orange shoes are only yeah. do so well
1: yeah so which which we were going back to you were talking about the bow time like i'm like when you yelled you walked over about the shoes i'm like oh is that my brand now is the shoe is my shoe the brand <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> like a lot a of people content I,
0: I hate that you have to have a brand but you have to have a brand it's-
1: no you totally have to have a brand
0: yeah, yeah. I I I I don't hate that you have to have a brand. I hate that you have to think about having a brand. Sure. Uh, I guess that's that's my big like. I just want to make comics, man. That's but it's uh, a business. There's so no much- like
1: it's a business. Like the, yeah. you know, a corporation will do everything they can to offset their costs in every aspect possible. So if you were an artist for Marvel or DC for a very long time, up till the last decade you just could ha- keep your head down do your job and life is good yeah. but then they're like you know what we need you to you, you have to promote your own work like you have to right. get the number you know you have to help get the numbers up so you may be the person putting in great artwork and on time but there's another person putting in great artwork on time but they also promote the hell out of their stuff and those I books will sell presents. more yeah. Exactly. yeah so you have to like figure this stuff out and if you are an indie artist well, that's your full-time job. Like that's, yeah. that's it. You're the marketing department.
0: Yeah. Well, 80%, 80% of my job is not drawing comics. Mm-hmm. It's not making comics. 80% of yeah. my job is, you know, taxes and <laughs> marketing.
1: Right, planning.
0: And uh, it, it just has to be. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I've got the new baboon book coming out. And, you know, I think a lot of us fall prey to, oh, I have a new book out. I'm going to start working on the next one. Or I'm just right. only thinking about the next one if anything going to this show and I was bummed that I didn't have the second book, mm-hmm. but I still you, sold wait, tell I, you need
1: to clarify that story for everybody. Cause not everybody knows that, that like, oh, you know, like you and I know, cause we talk about it all the time, but like somebody listening, who's not familiar with what's happened, what's happened. Let, let them let anybody know what happened.
0: Yeah. Um, the, my, my, the baboon which is my pulp action adventure book that i've been doing for the last few years uh i had the second big volume uh it's in port it got printed the printing was delayed a little bit and then it got to port i guess two weeks ago now and it's it's just in new york it's just on a boat still in new york uh Mm. and it's just didn't make it to the show in time um and that was my big push that was the thing i really wanted to have and i was like oh yeah i've got this new book this new comic it didn't matter it didn't matter Mm -hmm. it would have been great to have but in the grand scheme of things i sold a ton of first books right because i thought you know this book's the book's a couple years old like it's not nobody nobody's gonna care to buy it it didn't matter it's just people who had never met before came and bought the book sure i gotta like I could be promoting this book for the next five years, num- volume one for the next five years and still find new audience.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like the, the, what we think like when the book is done and that first round of sales, like, I mean, it was like talking to Jason Copeland, you know, with full tilt, like it really felt to me, he was like so excited about how well his campaign did and yeah. he did great. But like, I was thinking like, Well, he just thinks like, okay, well, that's it. I'm done. I've sold it, and I'm done. Is his expression? I'm like, I'm like. It seems to me like you could like, why don't you reprint like another like five thousand copies and go hit conventions and sell that book?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Hand sales are going to make huge, huge numbers for you. Hand sales.
0: It's a different. It's a job that you don't think you have to do when you're working in comics because i think if if from my experience when i started drawing comics i thought i was just i was just trying to be a penciler right Mm -hmm. i went in and was like oh yeah i'm a penciler and then you find an inker and then you don't like the way that's inked (laughs) like you're you're like oh i think i think i can i should learn how to ink Mm -hmm. so you learn how to ink and then you get a colorist and you're like oh man I i don't like the way this is colored so then you learn how to color and then you learn how to letter because you don't want to pay a letterer that's going to make it that looks like a sticker on top of right. your art. So you learn how to do that. And by that time, you might as well just print the book yourself because you've done all of the things, right? You know how you, you, you kind of have your hands in all aspects of, of the creation of the book. You might as well learn how to do the, the printing side of the book. It's just a a product of, you know, nine years in the business thinking, and your idea of what your job is changes every year. Yeah. Um, Every year I look at my stuff and go, okay, what am I doing this year? This year I'm doing an educational comic, right? That was never on my list of things to do when I started that mm-hmm. wasn't even on my mind yeah now it's like my job <laughs> it's, it's that's that's the, that's the project that's paying the bills yeah right? and it'll it, it's affording me to be able to do uh, more baboon stuff yeah I, nine years ago i would have never done a comic strip a daily comic strip
1: mm-hmm.
0: now that's what i'm doing that's what i'm actively doing yeah literally i'm i've I, Sat down. I got home and started inking,
1: right. inking
0: daily comic strips. Right, like
1: totally. I've been home
0: for an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, I I landed home and was immediately on phone calls for I have a very I have this interesting project um redesigning uh, a museum and education center for the Vietnam um, Memorial and Museum in New Jersey, like. And yeah, I'm like okay, like back you to work
0: things you find some stuff it's 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 still like I guess the thing is it's Monday, right? We all work it's it. Monday the rest of the world's working, we might okay. as well work yeah, that's kind yeah. of the that's my mindset at least i i you know, I, you just kind of do the job, you figure out what your job is, and then you do it um, yeah.
1: Well, so you, you sort of, you pose the question. So I'll answer the question regarding the, you know, the booth and all that, you know, having the table, um, aside from my quip answer of my feet hurt, um, I, what, what I, what I didn't get this weekend in my time at the convention were new listeners of the podcast who aren't future guests. I think I may have sure. landed two or three people who just happened to be listening in on me speaking with somebody else. And then, yeah. and I, and I, and, and my genius move came a little late into play because I didn't think of the idea of making the QR code on my phone where everyone could just go right to the sub stack and sure. sign right up, which worked like a charm, but that was, that didn't happen until Sunday. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was, exactly, so, exactly. you know, so I'd drag in 20 people on Sunday, but, it, you know, that's a, a little, too, little too late. But the idea of having the table allows me to design materials that people could come up. And they can sign up right to the podcast right there. They can start listening like I can have QR codes for your episodes, for whomever's episodes. I could put those little cards on your table and people that's, know, yeah, like
0: that's what I was just thinking. It's like, well, do you necessarily need to have a booth or a table to do that, or can you just you know use the people that, right. that are being interviewed? You
1: know, for sure. I, but it's, you know, but it is an ask. You need a hat it.
0: too. You need, you need a trade craft yeah. hat.
1: I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, having changed with the QR the code right in the middle of it. So people can just scan <laughs> your head. Well, that's what we were saying to, to, to um, Johnny, who is doing the uh, Beer City Comic Con here in Asheville. He had, a, he's a tall dude. He's like six, four or something, big, big, big guy. And he has this big white t-shirt and he's got the logo on the front. We're like. Dude, you need that same logo on the back. You're so big, you're a walking billboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like the human billboard. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, but that's what the phone was really helpful for because I could just talk to someone. And when I pull out my phone, they're, they're, they're apt to pull their phone out. Like that gesture is a fair give and give. If I held out a piece of paper and for them to do it, they might just go, give me that piece of paper and I could ignore it later. But if the phone is active in front of them, they do seem to respond to that sort of that engagement um but like i said but you know what saying is like it would require you to say okay i'm going to give you this six inch by four inch area of my table for your thing you know like it, that's the, there is an ask when it comes to guests
0: yeah but it is also their episode right like if you mm-hmm. made individual
1: oh yeah it would be specific for yeah
0: the, totally for the specific person be like hey You'd you have like, like three to me, here's listening here's better listening you know right. if you want to hear me talk about comics for five hours here you go
1: <laughs> right right so totally. right because it's like i mean because they're fans of the people that they're at the table with like, yeah. I, you know, like oh, I love it i love you know i love you know jesse lonergan you know that's so cool like this is this is great or they're intimidated to talk to him, but they want to know more about them and it's like right there they're like they can now you know a, as your neighbor um keith You know, at the at the convention, Keith was like, "Yeah, he's like, guys, I've developed a parasocial relationship with you, you know, because he listens to me every week now, you know, you know, and that's the that's the thing, but we but we do want to know more about the people we dig, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, of course, I mean that's that's why you go to a convention, that's why you set up at a convention, you know, right, that's why you talk to people. I sure, yeah, I agree." I so I had, a,
1: I had a, you shut, so hopping to the dead dog, you, you shut it down. I left early cause I'm old. Okay. Um, but I had the, I had a, I, it was a great exit because I get into the van or car or whatever it was, go all the way to the back. Cause it was going to be packed and this dude sits down on the other side of the back, way back seat. And then another gentleman comes in, who's a few years older than me, and comes in and plunks down right between the two of us. And it's Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, so I got to sit with him for the whole ride back to the hotel. That's awesome. I, I mean, a legend. You know, it, it was, yes. it, was a, it was a it was a lovely little cherry to place on the top of the weekend. Yeah, that was yeah.
0: The the dead dog party was definitely the. It always ends up being a highlight, but this year in particular, I I was very much. A highlight um yeah just getting to talk to people and not I am fortunate in my job and I've said this now a few times and it's and it's I feel very I feel like it's very very true um I am fortunate in my job that I really 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 like comics (laughs) but I'm not in love with it right right and I think the not being in love with it is what keeps me from not being blinded and only talking about comics. Yeah. I'm able to have full blown conversations about random stuff or about mm-hmm. life stuff and, or, or business stuff and not be uh distracted by who the person is that I'm talking to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not fanboying out on people. I'm not, uh, I don't feel like I have to just talk about what they've worked on. Or I don't have to talk about Spider-Man with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't mind having those conversations with people, but it's also not what I'm interested in talking. I want to, I want to know about like, Hey, how's your kid? You know, like I'm more interested in, in in case in point, like I ran into, to Cully Mm -hmm. at, at the party party. yeah, and I just was like, Hey, Cully, I I like your stuff. My, one of my best friends is Stephanie Phillips. And he was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Stephanie Phillips is one of my best friends. I was like, yeah, I just wanted to introduce myself as a friend of, oh, we have a mutual good friend that, but we do not know each other. Um, yeah that's more what i was interested in i had no desire to talk about blue beetle with him i'm sure he talked about blue beetle all weekend
1: <laughs> you know right he, I I, I, he had great, but
0: i don't want to yeah, talk yeah. about it
1: <laughs> no 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 i mean that And i think that's the thing I mean, in that you know listen that's the i you know when you were saying that my my mind was like well i'm more interested in the people than i am in the subject specifically yeah and i i for me that's sort of reflected in how how i operate regarding this podcast is it's it's having a conversation with somebody i like I, i'm i'm like i i will talk about whatever the project that you want to promote i'm all yeah, yeah. in with that but that is the least interesting part of the conversation for me and not that i don't like what they're offering it's just it's such a joy to talk to people who create stuff period
0: yes yeah. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Like we talked to, it was, it was with, uh, it was Cully and Ramon Perez and I were talking about specifically, I gave Ramon a, a copy of the baboon and we were flipping through it. We mm-hmm. talked about paper quality, right? right. <laughs> it sure. It was just yeah. like, oh man, what kind of paper is it's like, I was like, yeah, it's 70 pound uncoated. And they were like, oh yeah and i was like i had to fight the printer to get that to get that paper quality and they were like good yeah. on you man like that that's the conversations we're having not for sure like, it's process stuff but it's also um it's also like we're all behind they're like yeah we love uncoated paper so it's nice that you know some guy is doing a book and on an uncoated paper mm-hmm. that's It sounds like process stuff, but it's also personal stuff, right? Yeah, (laughs) like they've all had the experience of having to get glossy. We all talked about how much we hate DC's printing right now because you have to hold it at an angle, so right, so you don't get the light reflection. It's like liquid liquid ink. It's it's it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like a comic book. Yeah, Uh, and that's I love having that cover. That's what every cartoonist that I've ever showed a. Baboon book too. That is the first thing they comment on: is the paper quality.
1: Well, it's it's the discussion about, you know, the new. Hey, have you have you used this new eraser? Um, it's the discussion of like you and I have discussions about lead, you know, and and pencils, like all that kind of stuff. Is it's not it's not specifically process in the terms of how you do the thing. It's the process. It's the experience of doing the thing.
0: Well I I am uh there's that saying it's not the tool it's the artist and I right I butt up against that saying and I disagree with that saying uh a lot because I think you know you you are the artist you are because of the tool that you decide to wield right you like if if you're a dungeons and dragons character sweet and like you can specialize in a bow or you can specialize Mm -hmm. in a sword. Right. That's, that's if your bow and arrow guy picks up a sword, he's not as good with it. Right. Right. That is, that is a direct comparison to it is, it's partly the tool. It might be the talent. It might be, it might be the artist, Mm -hmm. but also the tool that that artist wields does create the art that we are associating with, Mm -hmm. The artist, so I think it's we we need to start putting more attention to what the tool is.
1: Well, okay, uh, the tool. So there's a there's a phenomenal designer named Bruce Mao from in Canada, and it's very very a great thinker, and he has this thing called Mao's Manifesto that he's been developing and adding to for decades now, and one of his items in there is and I'm paraphrasing, but modify your tools, like every tool you have, you need to make it work for you how you want it to work, not specifically the thing. But adding sort of being nuanced to that, and what you were saying, tools also change medium. So yeah, you know, you, 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 so you're right in that respect. But the point being, you know using you know you know the late great Eddie Van Halen as an example I've witnessed him playing an, an you know an electric car, guitar not plugged in and it's not the magic Eddie Van Halen guitar that we all know him to wield it's just a guitar and with yep. no amplification no anything and it sounds like Eddie Van Halen so it's the artist in what they do. And I would assume that if I listen to piano music that he does, he still mentally has this sort of understanding of how he constructs music. But hand him a pencil to draw, it might be a very different world.
0: Right. I look at it in terms of uh, the, the, the easiest way I can look at it or I can see it is I've started using Papermate flare pens as one of my main drawing tools. The way I ink a page with a micron, which is another felt tip pen yeah. versus the way a paper made flare pen looks is maybe it might be not discernible <laughs> to, to another person, but there is a feeling that I get using that tool, mm-hmm. using a paper made flare pen that I don't get with a micron. It is right. a different, it's, it's so much of the personality of the line that i am getting is coming directly from that tool like the extension of the tool yeah, yeah, to sure. my connection to my brain um i right. use specifically silver black velvet brushes right and that's the brush i use i went through tons of brushes until i found that one mm-hmm. right and now i buy them in bulk because I am terrified that they're never going to exist. (laughs) That I'm going to have to find another brush.
1: Yeah, but no, I mean, Windsor Newton stopped making the series seven that I used because mm -hmm. they started shortening the sable because it was less expensive on their end. And they're like, it's still the same point. I'm like, it's not the same point because Uh the, the brush doesn't work like it yeah. used to. Mm-hmm. And that's just physics. And and, it, and if it works for somebody, that's great. But if I was a professional illustrator, a comic book artist, and I needed to ink things with a brush, I would, I only have like three or four of them left from, you know, 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But those are, those are my tools.
0: Well, Schultz bought out, he found out the, his, his nibs that he was using, that mm-hmm. company was going out of business And he bought all of their stock. He bought the rest of of their stock. That's amazing. And so he had that nib for, you know, the latter part of his career, which, you know, here's a guy who was using the same tool for 40 years. Yeah, right. right. Like, and he used that pen for that long. And they stopped making it halfway through
1: this run, is it the run of peanuts, right? Well, that's, that's- it's so true, dude. It, I mean, because I mean, this, this is the, you know, the figure drawing element, you know, in, in life is every time I was drawing and I felt a plateau in figure drawing, I would change the tool yeah, because it forced my mind to kind of re-engage with what I'm doing and how to do it. And it's the same thing, like with drawing, I, I used to use you know you know lead holders you know what With the 2.5 millimeter lead holder specifically yep. and then i i just switched to you know a number 2.5 ticonderoga yeah because I, it made me do a different way of drawing
0: i have i i was in talking a lot of to seconds. people this convention uh about process and what they're working on and mm-hmm. uh a lot of people have started moving towards just using the same tools they used when they were kids. Like yeah. everyone's, I, I, I draw on printer paper for all of my pencil work. And then I yeah. scan that and blow it up to, to a Bristol to ink, but working on just a pad of really cheap printer paper with <laughs> my template printed off on it, on a, uh, on a clipboard. So I have uh-huh. a stack of like 10 pages and I'm using a, a just a regular pencil or my, yeah. my, my big pencil on those pages. It frees you up to just kind of pl- it. It makes me feel like I get to play a lot more. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that I really liked when I was a kid drawing. Mm. And then you get to it to be a certain age as an adult and you go, well, I should be using more professional tools. But does it really matter if you're going to scan and print that book <laughs> and, and you're yeah. working towards the, the final project or the final product of it is a, a book that is uh, printed, right? What, what is your product? Is your product mm-hmm. the final art? Because then I would say, yeah, use archival tools and use everything that you can use to have... Your painting lasts longest, sure. But if I'm printing a comic, if I'm printing a book, does it matter what tools I'm using, really?
1: Right. Yeah, I I was talking to uh, a guy who's kind of doing his first. I mean, he he's been doing comics for years, but he's kind of doing his own comic for the first time, and he's battling this. I don't know. I I'm like, he's doing digitally, and he like was really sheepish about it, and and I was like, dude make the book like don't worry yep. about oh should I have this original artwork at the end like don't feel pressure to have original artwork at the end do the book that you can do the best and the fastest because everyone says oh I want to have the artwork so I can sell it you know resell it and I'm like and my and I it hit me in the head and I'm like you do know that the artist is the person who makes the least amount of money on that art <laughs> the artwork sale because yeah. you sell it at the lowest price it'll ever be sold for. And from right. that point on, it goes up. And yeah. everybody after you makes money off of it. And it could be a much larger sum of money. So I'm like, sure. But I think in the long run, if you make more books, you're going to make more money in the long run if you're making your own books.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I was talking if you're making to... someone else's book,
1: save the, save the artwork and sell it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was talking to Amanda about her new book, mm-hmm. um, and she's drawing the entire thing on printer paper. Yeah, and I looked at her and I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." This like your this is your roughs, and she goes, "No, this is gonna be my final <laughs> my final oh. pages. This is what I'm scanning." And it's I was punk like, "Rock." That's she was like, "It, it took away all the pressure." Yeah, because like you know, I'm getting nice Bristol, and it took I was a little too precious with it. And now it's more lively and it's you know, you're just drawing with a pen on on printer paper.
1: There's so there was a printer paper that was used. It was the ideal printer paper in the, you know, in the olden days with coloring. So coloring was done with Dr. Martin dyes and you would code what what the colors were. And so in the offices they had stacks of this called finch paper. And finch paper, the bond of finch paper was much tighter than standard copy paper. And they would, that's when they would, they would put the, you know, the ink to artwork, they would print, they would copy it onto the finch paper. So your, the dyes would sit, it was a little brighter white and they were a little clearer. Yeah. But man, like, I'm sorry, Marvel, I would steal that stuff. And it was so fun to draw on that, that paper because it was like, I, like Amanda said, it's not as precious, but it's yeah. a. It was a little bit of a step up from plain old copy paper, and it held up to erasing and ink. It just had a little more, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. backbone, which yeah. which was kind of cool. And I like that punk rock approach where she's just like, "It's going to be what it's going to be, and let's go."
0: Yeah, yeah, I would love to do that, um, and maybe I will one day. I'll just i i, I I'm obsessed with the idea of. Sketch, uh, sketchbook comics—just drawing an entire book, drawing sure. a comic in a sketchbook. Yeah, um, I, I love that idea. I have never done it, mm-hmm. but I don't make comics so that might be one of the reasons why <laughs> <laughs> I don't just draw in a sketchbook all the time. I don't
1: know, dude. I think the baboon's a bit of an autobiography in in disguise. It's becoming more and more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was talking to some people uh who make autobiocomics this weekend and I was talking about it and it's slow, like more and more I'm putting just little ideas that I have uh I mean they, I did that whole book the the skull of a king where you had the cyclops barbarian who's this guy who's he's an adventurer who doesn't have to pay for anything cuz he's contracted by this quote uh, the King and queen of his country, so he's able to just kind of do whatever he wants. Okay, uh, all of his meals are paid yeah. for. He's 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 adventuring for for a for a king.
1: He's got and, the company card.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jamie, uh, the sidekick of the baboon, is so enamored by him because he's like, oh man, he's the coolest guy in the world. Like he just he just gets to go on adventures. And Uncle Uncle Babs is so <laughs> boring
1: most of right. the time. Com-
0: And I wrote, I wrote, I said it earlier today, I was like 80% of my job is not drawing. Uh, I say in that issue, I say, the baboon says, yeah, 80% of my job is like taxes and making sure you're fed that, you know, it's not my, my job is not, uh, adventuring all the time. My job Mm -hmm. is making sure bills are paid.
1: Right. Making sure that the, the gas tank is full on the plane to fly across the, the ocean. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. that's the kind of th- those ideas are starting to come out more and more, uh, and ideas about family and how how you keep uh, you know your your grandparents alive and how you you know how people live through stories that you tell. That's. Mm-hmm. That's the theme of the second book. You know, it, that's, that's, I mean,
1: that's the theme of humanity, dude. Like, that's right, how sure, people sure. have kept, you know, they keep things alive through story. That's the it's, way it goes.
0: It's interesting, too, because it's a direct response that the the second book is a direct response to when my grandmother died, right? That's mm. what it's a response to. So it is a little bit of autobio stuff.
1: Sure. But that, that's oh. what writers do. You have to, you sure. mine your life for the inspiration and it doesn't specifically have to be this happened to me you can observe things and you right. know, move that on yeah, yeah yeah.
0: it's an interesting it's interesting because it's not what i originally set out to do but it has yeah. become more and more you know you start you name characters after yourself and then you
1: <laughs>
0: and then your, your ego takes over or the id takes over and you're just yeah. putting stuff out there uh unintentionally
1: yeah. Yeah. Or, or in some people's cases, very much intentionally. Um, okay, Mine, so- and
0: that's the, I guess my thing is I didn't do it intentionally. I forgot to name the sidekick. I forgot <laughs> right. to name Jamie. And I was talking to Vita uh, who edits the book and V said, <laughs> you know, the book's great, but you never named the sidekick. <laughs> you never named the kid. And I was like, well, Oh was- crap. And I was working on one of the pages and I just in pencil wrote uh, the baboon turns around in the first book and yells, Jamie, or he, mm. he yelled for the sidekick. And I just wrote Jamie question mark explanation point. And I sent it to V and I said, is this narcissistic? <laughs> <laughs> if I name the kid Jamie and V said, bit. I think it's the right choice. Um, and that's when we realized that the book is, Called the baboon, but it's about Jamie's interaction yeah. and his discovering his life in this mm-hmm. in this kind of action world. Um, and Barton, Barton is my middle name, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, that is what my dad goes by. And every so, Jamie calls uh, his uncle Barton, Uncle B, and that's what mm-hmm. all of my cousins call my dad as he's Uncle B. Right. So that was a direct response to what i've heard in my life but then everyone looks at the baboon and goes oh that's you that like you are writing a character that is you but there's i
1: I mean i mean you i i it's sub it could be very much a subconscious thing where you have this sort of this this id aspect of yourself that is that, that is connecting to this the naive youth aspect of yourself throughout the story and you're not like consciously sitting down wrestling with this but yeah. these are the these are the ways you know they get expressed in our you know in our experience yeah
0: yeah i set out to write escapist fiction because i didn't want to write about my personal life <laughs> and, then,
1: right. and
0: then so much of my personal life just got thrown into it and i was like yeah. all
1: right it, it's, it, i mean and listen you're in indie comics so it's okay it's it's part of it's part of the uh the mail sure, I,
0: well i own everything
1: right, uh, mike, right
0: i think about this all the time i i reread madman recently which you want to have a direct correlation to the character is the artist sure right? and what? i you listen i've listened to mike allred talk about it he was like it was never my intent to make madman me yeah but i was dating or he was yeah he was he was talking about dating uh laura laura yeah Yeah. and the he was like conversations that madman and the girl his his girlfriend have were conversations that he he was just like yeah i just like transplanted these conversations Uh Uh, there's a great line in it where in the in the first volume of madman he gets punched or falls out of a plane or something and he says this is the time that I wish, like, I wish I could curse, but it never sounds right coming out of my mouth. And no I like, was, that's so specific, right? That's got, uh-huh. I, I read it and I was like, that's gotta be how Mike Allred feels, right? right? He, he, it's like, man, I really wish I could curse right now, but it never, like always sounds yep. fake. It always sounds like I'm in I'm in middle school.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Trying to that, seem like you're in high school.
0: Trying to see, Yeah. And that's such an, in- I, I read that and it stuck with me. And I feel yeah. like I do a lot of that within the baboon where it's just like, well, he needs to say something mm-hmm. uh, in, in the second book. It's one of my favorite lines and it was kind of a, a deus ex machina kind of moment. Uh, the baboon is looking for a, a sharp object so he can stab himself to, to make a blood pact um, Spoiler alerts, there's a blood yeah. pack in the book. Um, <laughs> but uh, the book's coming out, so it's fine. Uh, and Jamie pulls out a pocket knife. And hand, he's like, Well, you could just use my pocket knife. And the baboon's like, Oh, you you have a pocket knife? And Jamie goes, Yeah, I'm a 10 year old boy that goes on adventures. Of course I have a pocket knife. <laughs> and I, went, I wrote it and I was like, Yeah, of course he's got a pocket knife. I had a pocket right. knife when I was 10. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of course he has one. Um, and that turned into a moment that I wrote that turns into like the pivotal key catalyst for the rest of the comic, the, the end mm. of the comic is hinged on the fact that he had a knife on him. Yeah. And it like the emotional truth of the story is pinned on that knife that I just in a effort to plot something out needed a knife. And I yeah. just 10 year old has got a knife.
1: Yeah. No, it's and, it, I mean, that's the best part. Listen, that's the best part about writing is when your characters surprise you with, you know, either the obvious,
0: with the answer to the book. Yeah,
1: right. Well, no, that's what they do. I mean, like, yeah. if you are, if you have created halfway grounded characters, who sure. have independent existence as Something rather than just being a cookie cutter or a version of one of the other characters, these independent beings will do their thing. Yeah. And it's your job to record it and then make it work.
0: Especially, I mean, I've been doing the baboon stuff. I I started writing it four years ago. The first book came out three, or I guess four years ago. So maybe I started writing it five years ago. um, And the first book came out four years ago, this has been half of my time in comics, right? I've been working Mm -hmm. with this character and I've written over 300 pages of the characters. It's now, my job is not to write stories that have any kind of theme, right? Or, or construct something. My job is now to just throw a problem in front of them and have them figure it out right it's it's much more uh i write very plot based i i'm also writing pulp stuff it's 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 a lot different than writing something uh personal but writing in pulp especially with characters that i'm so i'm now so familiar with it's let me introduce a problem and let me figure mm-hmm. out how they're going to figure out how to figure it out right yeah and and often I write something and I'm like, I don't even know what this, what the plot of this book is. (laughs) Like like, I know, I know what the problem is. I know who the villain is and I know what the villain's trying to do. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of the, the writing of it and the plot, uh, the actual writing, I figure it out and it just, it kind of, it reveals itself to me. Um, and I, and you write, so you know what this is, but for people who don't necessarily write, uh, most writing is rewriting to make yourself sound smart. Yes. <laughs> On the second draft, right? Well, the first draft is utter crap. <laughs> it ha- well, uh, <laughs> or you it have is. an idea at the end of the book that you're like, oh, if I put that idea at the beginning of the book, I now have a thematic tie throughout the entire mm-hmm. book. Um, right, And, or, oh, there, here's a cool symbol at the end that I could, if I put the symbol at the beginning or a, or a, you know, a, a ro- for lack of a better example, this is the bad example. If I put a rosebud or a, a, a mm-hmm. flower that isn't blossomed, a bud, at the beginning of the book, and there's a flower that blossoms at the end of the book, and, mm-hmm. it's the, and the character just notices it at the beginning, because the flower represents growth, right? Right. At the end of the book, and I wrote the flower in at the end of the book because I wrote. 90 pages I can go back at the beginning and go oh yeah and there's like there's a gardener tilling the tilling a field right
1: sure right
0: and so that kind of thematically connects it all you don't do that on the first draft
1: no 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 I was just, I, 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 I was talking to someone about like the the fear of writing you know for the first time people Comes in the fact that often we look at the things that we love, listen and watch with great reverence and they're great. We go, oh, my God, this is such a great thing. It's so well yeah. done. And then you say and then you look at your blank paper screen, yeah. whatever it is. And you go, I can't possibly make something that great because they think it's whole like it, it's, it's birth like Venus from a shell. It's not. Yeah. It, it's a piece of crap. And it's your job to grab the hammer and beat it into a shape that works. Yes. And so when you have characters who are in a tough spot, and they need to be the smartest, cleverest people in the world to get out of that tough spot, you writer drafting do not have to solve that problem. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not a real time thing. Hey the the room is filling up with water. We're going to drown in 70 seconds. You don't have to write that in 70 seconds. You right, can write right. that in 5 years, you know? Yeah. But once that idea hits, you then can put it in there and then fix the problem later. Yeah. But often people get hung up and go like I can't move forward until I solve this problem which res- you know it takes a genius. Well, genius is you know is is so rare that it doesn't ha- you know that's it. So mm-hmm. what you have is the advantage of time and you can condense the time down which is the words but you can take 10 months to do something that lasts 70 seconds.
0: You can also just skip it. Right? Like yeah. that's the, that's the thing that I I find with young writers is they feel like they they hit a wall and they're like, "Well, how do how do I solve this problem?" I had a big <laughs> and then I'm like Well, I can just, I'll skip it and go to when they solve the problem and then move on with the rest of the story.
1: Totally. I'll figure
0: that out. That's a, that's a problem for future Jamie.
1: Sure. Um, Right.
0: I did that in the, in the last thing I drew in the second baboon book was page, I I think page 62, 62 and 63. It's a 94 page book, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to page 63 and went. And now there's a puzzle. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I went 65. Yeah. They solve the puzzle. I'm just going to continue. I left. I drew the entire book. I inked the entire book. Most of it was colored by the time I did and figured out what 60, <laughs> 63 63, 64. Yeah. Right. That was, uh, I, and I just knew I was like, I got to solve it in two pages. Because uh-huh. they don't want to change the the formatting of the book,
1: <laughs> right? Of course, right, right.
0: Yeah. So I just and I did, and it worked. And
1: right. And the constraint is there. Yeah. But in, yeah. and and that's the other thing is that like external constraints are what allow us to be really creative. Like yeah. it's not it's not all the rope in the world to you know to 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 weave the thing that you need. Like sometimes you know time, money, clients, whatever give you a limited length of rope. And it's your job to figure the thing out with what you have. And uh, if you said, I have to solve this in two pages and I don't have to do it now, but when you get to it, you got two pages to solve the problem and then you will. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that the, the puzzle only worked because I knew what the end of the book was. Mm -hmm. Right. It was one of those situations. It was right. I knew how it ended and then i was able to tie it into the ending tie the puzzle totally. into the ending.
1: totally totally yeah. and
0: often i i don't think people realize that you have to do that right. <laughs> you have to right. tie it. it needs to be satisfying
1: yes of course of course so what were your what do you think your three big takeaways you know year 7 at heroes best convention ever. Um like what do you think your three kind of main takeaways are for you? Uh
0: for me I feel like I found I uh, I have always struggled with finding a a group of people or a community of people that that are doing a similar thing with me or or willing to be like, yeah, you're making comics. Um and I'm making comics, and we're on the same level. Um, so that was a big takeaway for me. Just in a, in a discovering of yourself sense, right? I know mm-hmm. who I am and what I'm doing, and maybe that also comes as as a. reaction to the last two years moving to Savannah actually you know discovering myself alongside discovering the comics that I'm making the way I draw maybe there's a little bit of confidence internally that has Mm -hmm. transcended transcended not only me personally but transcended into the art right if as a transfer of energy okay uh, that I, I I think that's one of that's my main takeaway is uh, I f- felt like I fit in this year. I felt like I fit in with the comics community this year in, in a way that I, I don't know if I ever did beforehand. Um, okay. The other thing is uh, I can just do what I want to do and people, people seem to like it yeah um, i mean i thought i thought it was kind of a risky move to paint alfred e newman <laughs> for the for the art auction piece N- i have never seen a mad magazine thing at the show right before so i was like oh yeah i like i like alfred e. newman. i thought that would be fun sure. to paint yeah um and that worked so it's i guess making my taste valid is something I guess this is sure. this is gonna be a much more, I think, personal answer personal answers than maybe you were looking for. But no, no, no. uh the things that I like are valid. Um and people also like them. Mm-hmm. I I think I've tended to uh feel like a little bit of an outcast in the sense that I like comic strips a lot and nobody's really making comic strips. And or yeah. like when you say, "Oh, I like comic strips," they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, Dot and Lois, Pe- Peanuts." It's Peanuts and Dick Tracy, right? That sure. those are the two big ones, right? Um, and I, I mean, I love Terry and the Pirates, right? right? Like, and and Buzz Sawyer, and that like, not necessarily gag strips. I like the the serialized strip. Yeah, uh, And whenever you say that, it's Dick Tracy, right? That's the one that people go to. Mm-hmm. And I love Dick Tracy, but it's, it's, it's not my first love. Uh, so I feel like I found a place or I found that the things that I am doing are interesting to people, uh, to other people. Yeah. Um, maybe I also figured out how to pitch the book <laughs> that, that also might be a thing. That's I, a I huge thing.
1: Okay. Well, no, that's, and, a, I mean, that, that's a big, I mean, you know, going back to the, the Nebula conference, that's a huge matter of discussion for everyone attending there, especially who is yeah. like when they're working on the book, you have to be able to convey this book quickly and elegantly yeah. and evocatively. And that's yeah. what you got to do.
0: I have also realized I can ping, I can ping what people are interested in when they pick up the book, and it's uh, that's that has to do with age range, you know, right. it has to do with sure. how gray is their beard, and I can go, oh yeah, I love the spirit, um, yeah. attire, Yeah. attire, everything, everything. Yep. Uh, so, maybe curating pitches. The third one is setup. My, I think my table setup is is who I am now, yep. and people look at it and go, "Oh yeah, this guy has this kind of traveling salesman <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, old old timey traveling salesman guy."
1: You know what? Maybe next year add some uh, add some hanging brushes. You know, not art brushes, but you yeah. know, you traveling brush salesman. Yeah, so yeah. there you
0: go. So that's the kind of thing, and I think that drew people to my table. The fact that I had a a literal shelving unit on my (laughs) table. Totally. It made people want to pick up the book because they can go up and it's like a bookstore. Now it Mm -hmm. looks like a bookstore. People go up and they look at the book and they flip through it. I don't have a book that says, Hey, read me. And it's under (laughs) or on tap on top of a stack of books. Right. Right. Here's my, uh, I, you see this a lot at conventions where it's like, Here's a stack of trades. Here's one propped up that has a sticky note that says, read me, flip through me.
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: didn't have to do that because I on a bookshelf. And people automatically go, it's similar to your phone, right? You pull out Uh your phone, people pull out their phone. People look at a bookshelf and go, oh, I can pick this off of the bookshelf.
1: Totally, Uh, totally. And Yeah, and you can have one facing flat so they see the cover and you have a bunch of lined up and people can like, it makes, at, you're,
0: you're, it makes it look like you're selling something.
1: Totally. It's your, I mean, it's, I'm looking at a giant bookshelf right here in my, you know, in my it, office. I mean, that's what it is. And yeah. it's
0: vertical. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. You know, if you're laying books flat, having stuff that actually sits also higher than your head. I think that's, that's a huge.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's the verticality and you don't, do you, wait, I didn't, I'm totally blanky. Do you have a backdrop? No, I didn't. I didn't okay. So year. yeah. Yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think you did, and I don't. I don't feel that it impeded how your setup. I, 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 I needed
0: it. Yeah, I have I think a, a uh, on the side of the trunk. It says Jamie Jones, cartoonist, and it's an old like. Uh, it's an old traveling salesman poster right. that I ripped totally. off and just put my face on. You know, right? Um, and that was on the side of the trunk, and that yeah. faced the aisle. Yeah. But if you were coming from the left side of the table, you would have never seen that.
1: Sure. Right.
0: But you saw a bunch of books on on the shelf.
1: And a bow tie. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So let's – before we wrap up, let's kind of just talk a little bit about – you brought it up, Alfred E. Newman and – and Scotty and that how that whole thing unfolded. Cause that was, it had to have been a, a big highlight for the weekend for you.
0: Yeah. To have a, a, a repeat.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Uh, I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast or I think we have,
1: I think uh, we did. Yeah.
0: Last year I did that Popeye piece and that I mentioned it today. That changed the way people interacted with me this weekend. Um, people knew who I was because of that Popeye piece. But Scotty Young bid on that piece, and it did really well last, last year. And uh, this year I did an Alfred E. Newman. And Scotty loves <laughs> Mad Magazine and Alfred E. Newman. Yes. You said that I was targeting him. Multiple people no, said that I was targeting him. We,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> so the conversation went, from my point of view, in, that, in, the, in the aisle as we were talking, that my joke was you should start targeting him so you yeah. can find out everything he loved as a child and every year do one of your great paintings of something that he is emotionally compelled to emotionally, have. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm preying on Scotty Young's nostalgia. Um,
1: Right, right. Now, my, 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 so so we can frame this a little bit better for people who have not been to Heroes Con. On Saturday night, they have an art auction. So artists will donate artwork, whether they've done it there at the show, before the show, or pages, or whatever the thing is they want to donate. They can donate this. It goes up on stage. There's an auctioneer. There's a huge audience. And people buy artwork. It's just what people do. And so last year, you did that. It was a great piece. That Popeye piece was great, and you had no idea Scotty loved Popeye and would fall in love the piece. And it just it just so happened that you know the bell of the ball.
0: The reason I did Popeye last year was Eric Powell wasn't at the convention, okay. and so I my thought was I'm going to do I'm going to take Eric Powell's place at the auction. <laughs>
1: You hear that, that was my he's calling you out in my
0: my entire intent because I I mean I'm a huge eric Powell fan sure and stylistically you know I was talking to to trey who who runs the the art auction last night and I said you know I I started doing it because I looked at who was doing something and I was like I people think people say I look like I, I do some Eric Powell. I have, we, we both share the, our love of Will Eisner. And I think it, we both pretty clearly wear that on our sleeves, but so people look at my stuff and go, this is pretty like the baboon is very Goony. Mm-hmm. Um In maybe stylistically. Uh, I think I, I don't necessarily think it is, but I see why people think it is. Um, so I thought I'm going to do something that Eric Powell, I'm going to take his spot. Mm-hmm. At, the same, at, at the auction this year, I did the same thing. I was like, well, I need to do something better than what I did. I need to do something bigger than Popeye. Uh, I'll do Mad. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do right. Alfred e. Newman. Newman. Uh, and I had the concept. I had the idea. And that's I, knowing that Eric Powell wasn't going to be at the convention. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just kind of was like, what would Eric Powell do? Right. And that's, that's how I'm living. That's how I've lived my life. For the, sure, for the last few years, what would Eric Powell do? Uh, just so happens that Eric and Scotty and I have the same taste in things. And so, apparently that's, so apparently, we just like the same stuff.
1: So you were you were out having dinner when the, the auction was underway. And I happened to be yep. there, braving the horribly loud environment. And I was doing the walk from the left to the right of the room looking at the artwork and you know there's brian Stelfries' amazing storm painting which just humbles everybody's efforts and no offense to anybody else but man that 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 guy just you know it's a it's the old you know man plans and god laughs kind of a thing you know it's like oh okay he's he's just that much better Um, i
0: watched him do that Uh, i was on the stage when he was on stage and it you, you just want to give up,
1: yes. <laughs> you know, oh, it's are it, it, just tired. It's, You're done. It's the best. So, yeah, I, I get over to your your pieces on the far on the other on the right side of the room. So I walk, make my way around the the stage, and get up. And as I am walking up to it, so is Scotty at the same time, and he is flipping out. How much you know? He's falling like head over heels for this piece. Yeah. And so I figured, well, let's just reveal the joke that you and I yeah. had been, you know, ginning up earlier in the day. And I tell him and he, he's like, cuz he's like he's freaking out. It's like, is he doing this on purpose? You know, he was all up, <laughs> you know, up, up up on my grill on this thing. Yeah. And then he's like Holds his forearm out with the Alfred E. Newman tattoo because he's thinking that yeah. you know you're just like looking at pictures you know from you know Google Image saying what's that means okay <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll just do that and yeah. he was just completely out of his mind excited about the piece. Forty five minutes go by, your piece finally comes up, and I think you just got there right around. The- I kept texting you saying, "Hey, it's yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, five yeah. pieces out," you know, and yeah. he wasn't even in the room. And Megan yeah. is Megan starts bidding, and I'm like thinking like, oh, he's not even here to see this happen. He yeah. went off to go get two glasses of red wine for them, and he comes back. She wins the bid, yeah. and she he has no idea, you know. And he then he's yeah, just yeah, floored yeah. that you know, she he floored. Walks- <laughs>
0: she she walked over to me. This, this I this is how he knew that they won the piece, <laughs> that he won the piece. Megan starts having a conversation with me, and she uh. She said, yeah, when we were, when we came into Megan is Scotty's assistant and business partner uh, for, for people who don't know, uh, she came up to me and was like, Hey, it, oh, so I got the piece and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And she was walking by and she went, yeah, when we first saw it, he was like, oh man, look at this, Alfred e. Newman. That's awesome. And he didn't realize that it was me that drew it. Mm-hmm me that painted it and Megan was like yeah Scotty look at the name and he was like god damn it <laughs> this,
1: this that's guy exactly again. <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly what happened I mean it yeah. was absolutely it was I mean I couldn't have been better timed to be that's there hilarious. when that happened yeah no it was great yeah. and the piece I mean like I said I said earlier I mean, the piece is phenomenal like it re- you you really stepped up your game on that one so oh, thanks. I learned yeah, how yeah, to yeah. paint
0: back in December that was
1: no, yeah no no it well you, you you should keep it up kid you got you got a future yeah yeah so yeah it was a great it was a great convention I mean it's usually always a great convention there but I I yeah. think you know it, it was a huge huge showing from so many people and a huge turnout from all the you know the the lovers of comics
0: it was yeah it always is i mean it's my favorite convention so yeah i'm i'm excited for next year i guess that's you know that's the thing <laughs> I know. That, next year will be my let's not year. let's
1: not have the year come that quickly there you go nice yeah it's <laughs> exciting it's exciting yeah, yeah.
0: Well so i'll be i oh, have been working i guess or trying to get into comics and working in comics for ten years that's great
1: right on dude right on um let's 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 try to be a little professional here um your book two's coming out like how can people find book two when it comes in
0: it is uh i oh I have a website now. You can go to you can go to bowtie.press and that is uh the website that I have. Um it has a link to my shop, my big cartel shop, which I have a listing for the book on now, or it's up. So you can actually you can actually order it now. Um because books should be in very soon. Um what else? Uh, I mean I'm on Instagram and all that stuff. It's all art of Jamie Jones. On all the social it'll, media,
1: I'll, I'll it'll be in the description.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah, then I don't need to do anything else. Book two is well, on its way. He, I have a Substack with I do a, a daily comic strip on Substack, so that's. Also I think Bat-boom I can. Related.
1: I think I can make you like a co-author of this episode on Substack. So, like, it'll. it'll oh, I, cool! If, that's awesome it might notify people, you know, on your, on your, cool. your, your side too. So um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, yes, I wish you had the books there because I think it would have been even more amazing. But I think, I think the fact that you were able to sort of transcend that, you know, internally is big.
0: That was, I mean, the biggest takeaway really for this convention was there was a problem and the show was still fantastic. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. In, in spite of it.
1: Well, it, so there's a great analogy that I'll, 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 I'll hopefully end this on. I, and I learned years ago from, from uh, my boss and we were putting on a big event um, for a brand that we were launching at L'Oreal and everything wasn't perfect the way that we had designed it and planned it. And he looked at me and he said, it's upsetting for us to not have this be the way that we have this all set up. But the people who are walking through the door to experience this don't know what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And everyone there wasn't going, I'm going to Heroes Con to get Jamie's book too. They're, you know, they're going there, right. you know, they're going there to experience it. Oh, cool. I get to see Jamie. And there's no disappointment on their end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is what a life lesson.
1: Yeah. That's great. I think it was great, man. I think it's great. I mean, you, you didn't seem no negative note from you at all the whole time. And I thought that was really, you know, happy because that's not how it sounded when we were talking like a week and a half before. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awesome, dude. Um, Thanks, man. I, I, I kind of liked having this sort of like this, you know, post, convention hot wash you know yeah yeah it's good
0: we should do it more often we'll
1: do it next year
0: <laughs> yeah let's do it next year
1: right on dude all right well thank you and um i guess uh, everyone else listening will uh, catch you next week thanks jamie
0: <laughs> bye